I don't have a fashion background. Natalia doesn't have a fashion background either. We don't have a business background either. And this is why like 99% of the decisions that we have been taking and, and, and that are still taking are, are really based on, on intuition and what feels right. Das ist der Telekom Electronic Beats Podcast, der Podcast rund um Nachtleben und Clubkultur. Wir sprechen mit DJs, Türstehern, Tänzern, Clubbetreibern und anderen Nachtmenschen. Mein Name ist Gesine Kühne und ich bin Jakob Töne. Herzlich willkommen beim Electronic Beats Podcast. Welcome to the Telekom Electronic Beats Podcast. I am Gesine Kühne. Hope you are all doing well. In today's episode, we take a look at fashion. Fashion always has been, always will be a close friend to music. As you look at different music styles, for example, they all have their distinct look. My interview partner today is Thomas Wierski of Misbehave, a Polish brand with quite a success story, which is almost like a fairy tale. It wouldn't be the Telekom Electronic Beats podcast if there wasn't some electronic music involved as well. I hope you enjoyed this episode because I certainly had so much fun talking to Thomas of Misbehave. Thomas Wierski, is that the way you'd pronounce your name? Exactly. Well, welcome to the Electronic Beats podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Nice to see you. Um, we're meeting via Zoom. And where do I reach you now? Where are you at? I'm in the south of Poland in Krakow today. Is that where you're from? or? Um... I was born in Sweden. Um, my parents were Polish and they have immigrated up north and they've lived there for 20 years. And I've been back in Poland from the age of seven. And I've been going back and forth between Warsaw and Krakow. I'm in Krakow today. I'm going to Gdańsk later. Yeah. Okay, so you have a busy life, not only uh, doing the work, what we're going to talk about, but also just like, um, also, let's say, a, a busy or interesting family background, because it's it's a very interesting combination, born in Sweden, back to Poland, you know, is that something you, you cherish, I mean, um, that you have this background? It's not an obvious one, you know, I think, I think the Swedes and Poles are very, very different in the way that they're brought up and in the way that they live. And I have to say my relationship to both Sweden and Poland is really changing in time. Um, not sure where I am at this point, actually, because what was happening in Poland in, in the last few years politically has not been easy, to say the least. Um, but, you know, also I'm kind of happy that we have this brand and this platform that can also from time to time, take a bit of stance on that and also share how we feel about this. Um, but yeah, definitely this relationship to, to where you're from, who you are is, is, is changing every day. But this is, I think this is the nature of, 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 of life, actually. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, you said you have this brand and platform. I didn't introduce you properly. Um, you're Thomas Wierski of, I would say, misbehave, right? Is that the way we pronounce it. Yeah, we have an agreement yeah. on that. Um, it's a street and club where fashion label price-wise, I would rather see it in high fashion than street fashion. And also um, a record label now. So I would love to know pretty much everything you can tell me. Are you ready? <laughs> Always. Okay, well, let's get into it. Um, 
you are, as, as you just said, you're born in, in, in Sweden and you're from Poland. I think you started the label around 2014. Is that um, correct? Yes, exactly. Okay, um, with your creative partner, uh, Natalia Macek. Macek, is that the way you pronounce that name? See, I'm going to ask those questions all the time. You're very good <laughs> in this pronunciation business. Okay, whoa, woof. <laughs> so amazing. Um, you two met in Poland? Yeah, we actually met when we were kids, when we mm -hmm. were 16, I think. And we've remained best friends ever since. And although, you know, our, our roads have been kind of parting and then going, going back together throughout the years, um, yeah, we've been, we've been building this brand together and, and it, it became uh, a way of life uh, for us, and especially in the last five, six years, I would say. Yeah, I did a lot of reading research um, on the label because I've, I have to admit, although I would probably consider myself a club kid myself um i was not completely completely aware of your story um definitely saw the name before in a couple of pieces because there's always um you know certain labels like uh, gmbh <laughs> yeah gmbh do you, you know what i mean you know certain labels that that uh, push to the front and people say oh this is the new clubbing shit um and i always take myself back back a bit and say well isn't club wear something that people just wear to the club does there have to be a label to be labeled club wear what do you say to that well i think i think it's an inspiration i think it's it's almost like an artistic idea um i think club is a catalyst for so many emotions and experiences that really shape us and and, and build us and i think this is a very serious foundation for something much more than just than just a club. Um, for me, it's a it's a, it's a feeling. It's a it's a sense of belonging. It's a sense of freedom. Uh, it's a bit of hedonism too, as well. Of course, um, it's this whole catalyst of, of of emotions that you can translate into whatever you want, into film, into photography, into fashion. So yeah, that's how I see it. When you started, what was the intention behind it? Well, we started it, well, firstly in Poland, that doesn't really have a fashion culture, that doesn't really have fashion schools, that didn't really have any fashion business or stores at the time. There was no support system for young designers or young brands. So, you know, being from Poland, you kind of don't think of this as a serious you know, undertaking. Um, so it was purely and still is purely a, a, a passion thing, you know, making pieces that we want to wear that we wouldn't really find anywhere else. Um, it was making stuff that we want to do and, and avoiding stuff that we don't want to do. In an interview, I read that you guys talked about Poland right after 1989. The wall came down in um, Germany. The Cold War was over. Like there was always, I mean, okay, if you're a bit younger and you're not firm on Cold War and all the change that happened um, to Germany and the, yeah, the, the Eastern European bloc, I would say, please read up on it because it's a very interesting uh, story, very interesting history, what has been happening over all those years until that time. Um, and 
the coming down of the wall, it definitely has affected Eastern Europe. Uh, you were a kid. Um, what do you remember from that time? I mean, 1989 and pre-89 is my parents' time, really. It's my parents' era. Um, but I think, actually, you can trace some of our DNA to pre-89 as well. Because, you know, obviously time is, is, is linear and, 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 and all these things are, are, are combined and, 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 and make one oneness in the end. Um, so pre-89, you know, it was the time of communism, incredible time of hardships, you know, grotesque censorship, uh, you know, flexing military muscle on, on, on people. Um, and I think this is some of the DIY ethos is really, is really coming from, because for our parents, if they saw, you know, a gray jacket on the cover of a magazine, it's not like in France where you could just go and buy it. You would have to make it yourself. And I think this is a foundation for, for great creativity um, and, and, and the DIY um, kind of uh, culture or, or philosophy that I, that I talked about. Also, you know, as we know from history, the times of hardships are, are, are usually a very fertile ground for, 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 for art and expression and some of the best music and film coming from Poland actually, you know, was born in the, in the 60s, the jazz scene, um, the films, you know, 60s was a great decade, decade uh, all across the board, actually, in, in, in Europe and in, in, in the States. And it must have been a, a reaction to the war, I suppose. Um, but yeah, Poland before 1989 was, was, was very closed off like all the other Eastern European countries. And then 1989 comes and suddenly the gates are open and the West floods in. And obviously at first we're very, we're super, super excited and the East falls in love with the, with the West immediately. You know, the iconography of brands like McDonald's, Coca-Cola. It's something that people really, really cherish because this is something that they were longing for for such a for such a for such a long time, but as far as I remember, in terms of fashion, um, companies like 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 Zara or H and M, they didn't really penetrate the market until like two thousand and one, two thousand and two, and before that, it was the the thrift, the secondhand store that really was where you would go, where you would where you would go to to find pieces that you want to wear. And, and I was just thinking about it today before, before this, how when we were first trying to make collections, we were always like very hard on ourselves because nothing really matched together and every, everything felt so messy and one piece wouldn't really work with the other and, and it was just terrible. Um, but I, but from, from, from a few years' perspective, I think this really was the effect of the, of the second hand store, of the thrift store, because you have to uh, tell the difference between a second hand store and a vintage store. A vintage store is nice and curated and all these pieces kind of make sense together. And in the second hand store, obviously this is not the case. You have a Hawaiian shirt sitting next to a tracksuit next to fancy loafers. Um, and I think this is, this is where, where some of it was 
was really coming from. This is how we thought about piecing a, a collection together. Um, and then, yeah, then early 2000s where were really my childhood memories and, 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 and uh, this mixing of technicality, of the Western branding, of perhaps finding some of our Eastern identity again. Um, the early 2000s were, uh, were a very interesting time um, you know, pre-internet, um, a time that I, I see as a sort of a no man's land where I think we really didn't want to be East Europe anymore and we wanted to embrace the West, but we definitely weren't West either. Mm-hmm. So I think a very, very, you know, interesting time sociologically and, and, and historically. Um, so... In the 90s, you didn't have any so-called fashion at all. It was like secondhand or vintage, um, piecing things together, influenced by the West. Probably still this attitude of finding stuff um, or, or making things work from the East um, that you have been seen in Western magazines, maybe. Because, I mean, we have to talk money as well. Um, being the Eastern European bloc, I mean... You were, there was nothing in, in income comparable to the West. So that must have been also a hard time because probably prices rising, you know, the Western influence in, in capitalism coming in, but not in, in getting the same money. That's, that's a huge issue, isn't it? Or wasn't it? Oh, it definitely still is. Mm. Definitely still is. Okay. You already said your, your, your fashion approach was like piecing things together or, or getting to the point where like, mm, This doesn't really match. Um, do you have any fashion background or was it just pure interest? No, no, no. We have no fashion background because, like I said, growing, growing up in, in, in Poland, this is not something that you take seriously because you don't have magazines, you don't have designers, you don't have these success stories that you can, that you can follow. And for us personally, it's, 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 it's always been somewhat of a personal goal to really to really change it yeah. uh, I'm not saying that we're incredibly successful or anything like that but there was really no brand before us that would you know get to certain stores or make it to certain magazines and and we it was always our, our, our intention to kind of become this platform for for these kids today that can have something that we perhaps didn't didn't really have But no, I don't have a fashion background. Natalia doesn't have a fashion background either. We don't have a business background either. <laughs> and this is why like 99% of the decisions that we have been taking and, and, and that are still taking are, are, are really based on, on intuition and what, what, what feels right. Um, just to give a bit of background, I mean, Natalia isn't there um, with you now. But she went to London at one stage and was very uh, inspired by, let's say, the whole lifestyle. You know, there, there is a certain feel about London and especially uh, back in the days, even more so than now, where it seems very mainstreamed, even the places that were so inspiring, like Camden Market and so on. Um, and then she came back and you also were inspired by, by club life or As, as I read, you were club kids. Maybe you still are club kids. Um, and you printed T-shirts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, going to London was, was an eye-opener. Um, 
because yeah you're obviously the way uh, that people lived and, and and how the music sounded and this mixture of cultures and this also like sexual openness was something that we that we didn't really know and we also went there at the time when we were like 17 so it, it it was actually a very like profound time to be exposed to something so 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 radically different and 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 open and beautiful and coming back to Poland this is something that we wanted to to create for our um for our friends as well so yeah it started from like like everyone you know we were kids we didn't, didn't really have any money there was this like punk printage uh, printing shop that would that would make these t-shirts for very little and that's how that's how the brand has started you know on 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 one hand printing printing mm-hmm. t-shirts for friends on the other hand still reworking you know bits from 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 these secondhand stores and um then the parties came and events came and 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 you know trying to to piece a community around around these positive values and and i think with every little thing that we did um a bit more of a community was building of 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 kids that were kind of centered around these these really positives um around this positive message that we were trying to to convey of 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 openness of of you know being together and this definitely was was inspired by uh yeah by 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 the UK and 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 London and and traveling in a broader sense mm. um you just mentioned like a punk print shop and so on uh, when i read your story of course i had an instant thought which is Vivian Westwood you know that's how she started um, beginning of the 70s it was all about coming together and just doing what she wants to do and it was a punk crowd uh, supporting her stuff and then it grew into this huge fashion brand the story is of course a bit more detailed but just my initial thought was like hey that happened before which which is a nice way of of happening because it's so self-made and and not so uh, business driven as a lot of things these days was that already part uh, was that back in your head or or weren't you aware of of Vivian back in the time uh we were aware of her and and Malcolm McLaren and and people like that but I mean, you would never ever compare or think of yourself in this um, in this perspective because, again, this this was never supposed to be anything serious. So okay. this comparison <laughs> was never on the table, to be honest. Okay, um, you were pretty ballsy, I would say. You just went to Paris and opened a showroom in 2015. I mean, 2015 is just uh, six years ago, and if we just think back six years ago. We've already been this fast fashion world where people try to make it but constantly fail because they don't, they're not there in the right time with the right money, especially. But you just went and opened the showroom. Um, how was that possible? Yeah, this is the beauty of being young and really not realizing what you're going in for. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's 2015 and, and um, our friend Luca uh, from Paris... Um, helped us finding a space that would suit our budget. And our budget was 200 euros a day, which in Paris gives you a hole in the wall. 
Um, it was, I remember it was January 2015, really cold winter. Mm. And we got this shitty gallery, 25 square meters in Passage de Gravier in the third, where, where, where most of the brands show. Um, a space with no heating, really damp. Um, yeah, and we just planted ourselves, ourselves there, um, the three of us on the floor for, I would say, five weeks, waiting for people to miraculously just come in and, and, and make orders. And we, we had no idea how, how to go about this. Um, we made maybe 10 pieces and we thought this is probably an interesting collection. It was like one wool coat, one sweater and a bunch of like smaller pieces. We were equipped with three posters that we put on the wall, I remember. And um, I also remember that we didn't have this like um, the sticker that you're supposed on your on your front door. And we we printed it in Paris and, and I, I remember printing it was actually more expensive than coming to Paris from Poland. Um, and yeah, and, and, and we're sitting there just just waiting for something to to happen. Um, and one day a very, you know, beautiful super elegant lady comes into um to the gallery and and, and she's clearly there by by mistake but she's looking at this at these posters and she's looking at these pieces and she's listening to the music and and we start talking and we had a very very nice conversations about where we're from about about what this collection was 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 inspired by and 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 it was you know about about uh, Kraftwerk and, and, and Brian Eno. And we had this t-shirt that said Warszawa. She really liked it. And, and it was one of the pieces that, that was quite successful at the time. And we spoke about how this is a reference to, to Brian Eno and Bowie and also Joy Division. And she looked at it all and she's like, you know, this is quite interesting. Let me, let, let me come back the next day. And the next day she returns with two more guys, equally elegant and... and, and And, you know, and, and, and these guys, like, they really, they really felt like they, they, they know what they're talking about. And they turned out to be buyers from, from, from Louis, uh, which is this landmark in, in, in Antwerp. We later uh, learned that she was the first to buy Margiela. And she trusted us. And she bought a brand that didn't even have a business card or didn't have a catalog. We just had an Instagram account and an amazing store in Antwerp that was, you know, home to so many, to so many incredible designers. Um, and the same season, uh, Browns bought us, GR8, Antonioli. And uh, yeah, we knew nothing about fashion at the time, but by luck and coincidence and, and I don't know what we had four of the best retailers in the in the world, and this is how this is how it started for us. Yeah, it's such it's such a fairy tale story, you know. I'm actually getting goosebumps. I'm like, I, I don't know what it was, but universe was just like those guys. They're in for it now. <laughs> that is, um, yeah, stuff like that still happens definitely, um, and I'm I'm so happy about it too that uh, a couple people, even though. They are in such a different, for me, universe, just like money-wise or fashion-wise, you know, 
that they're still so open to what fashion is actually about, which is an expression of of all kinds of feelings. You know, it's uh, it's important. It's an art. It's an art form, just like music, and an art form just um, projects the time we live in. So, yeah. So it's like you, you, you know. It's I'm almost, I'm almost speechless because this is that's such a great story. I love it. <laughs> um, so yeah, all of a the sudden there were luxury fashion buyers, and you had this very punk approach towards fashion. Was there fear creeping up your neck? Yeah, it's a nice add-on probably to have these stores, but also we we didn't really realize the challenges that it would bring. Um, mm -hmm. Because to me, the biggest challenge that I saw at the time was how do you make a collection a year in advance? How do you know what you're going to feel a year in advance? Because this has to be sincere and it has to be honest, right? And it has to be, like you said, in conversation with, with reality and with the time. How can you predict a year from now what this honesty will be? Um, and then came more challenges like how do you actually make physically make a collection so far in advance how do you make a collection that is not 10 pieces how do you make a collection that will have a certain level of of expertise in the way that it's made in the fabric that it's using in uh the deadlines that it has to be delivered at because for us it was we were coming from the world of of this intuition And, and really how, how streetwear operates. And, and streetwear is very, very immediate, very quick, very fast. It, it, it reacts to, the, to reality in a very, very fast uh, manner. So, you know, I always say, like, you think of a piece of on, on Monday, you design it on, on Tuesday, you print it on Wednesday, you sell it on Thursday, and by Friday night, you see it in a club being, you know, physically worn. You, You see it in this physical world. And this, the time is very, very fast. The turnaround is super, super fast. Mm -hmm. um, and suddenly this modus operandi has to change. And suddenly you're entering a whole new, a whole new game. Um, not just on the level of logistics. And believe me, like we've been struggling with it ever since. And, and we're still struggling with it today. Um, simply because you're kind of made to work on a timeline of a Gucci or a Prada, but you're still a very small independent brand, yet the rules are the same for everyone. So this doesn't really play in favor of, of smaller brands, but you know, you have, you have no choice and you have to improve and constantly fight to get it right. Um, but also in terms of like creation, it is changing. Um, and at first I was very scared of this because again how can you make something honest when you're used to this reactive mode in such a time advance but this actually is is an incredibly fulfilling experience because it makes you actually not look at the uh, at the world and react to the world it makes you look inwards and it makes you ask questions to yourself and these questions are always always relevant so The difference to me, the biggest difference between fashion and, 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 and streetwear is actually this, this inward looking practice that is much more deep, much more 
abstract. And at first I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't understand it at all. And, and, and I remember I was reading this quote about, um, who was it? Rei Kawakubo, I think, when she was briefing her team at, at, at Comme des Garçons. And uh, so they have this, this preseason meeting where she's supposed to give them this, this great vision about how, how the collection will be and, and all this team is gathered in there. And she walks in and she's very, very quiet and she sits on the, on the stool and she says, Rain. <laughs> and this is where the collection then is supposed to be born from. And yeah, five years ago I couldn't, I didn't understand, but, but now actually, actually I understand a little bit more. And it's, it's very ful fulfilling and, 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 and much more interesting actually to work this way. How was that received within your inner cycle, within your friend cycle, the early adopters, I would say, that had your pieces before? I mean, they were always very, very supportive, I have to say. And, and we always felt like we have people's back. And, and also, like I said, we, we had this ambition to also make something more of this brand than just, you know, a collection of cool pieces that you wear. We always wanted this to become a platform for young creatives and for kids back home. And this is something that we slowly try to build. build. Um, you know, whenever we can, we try to give back to our community as well. So, you know, from making masks for, for our local hospitals when, when the pandemic began, to you know, teaming up with, with Zuvenir from Berlin and making a pro-EU rave before the, the, before the last European elections because we saw that the anticipated level of participation from, from kids in Poland wasn't really as high as we wished. So we thought, why don't we make a rave with team up with Zuvenir and, and try to educate kids a little bit about the importance of, of, of these elections um, to, you know, yeah, yeah, like I said, you know, events and, and, and giving back to the community in all these, in all these different, different ways. So, um, obviously, you know, everything changes with time, but I have to say people are, are, ha have been very supportive and, and we've been, we've been quite well perceived and, um, yeah, as soon as we can get out there in the physical world, we, 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 we want to also engage with, um, yeah, with the world on a, on a more, in a more tangible, physical way again. This is, this is something that I'm really looking forward to. Um, I just want to talk quickly about the design, um, because you mentioned a couple of cool pieces back in the days you screen printed. Um, what did they look like? Um, well, they were much more, much more simple than what we were doing today, than what we're doing today. Um, some of the pieces that I remember that, that, that gave me a lot of satisfaction were, you know, patchwork denim that we would source in these secondhand stores. It was, it was printing on, printing on leather. Um, we were quite bold actually in, in, in the variety of pieces that we were making also, also swimwear and, 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 you know, a lot of pieces not realizing at first how difficult actually it is to make them. But again, this is, this is, this is I guess, the naive nature of, of, of being very young. Um, but also, I think this attitude that, that, that we also need in the, in, in the world in, 
in general. And if I look at your designs now, I see lots of 90s references um, with all the tribals, some neon colors. It's very techy, I would say, techy wear. <laughs> um, what, yeah, what do the 90s mean to you? Oh, man, I mean, I was, to me, like, um, you know, Jürgen Teller, Corinne Day, films like Kids, music like, you know, the Wu-Tang this was my education and and i think it's crazy how today these things are still so so relevant but i think i think the relevance of the 90s has a lot to do with with its grit if it's rawness um with its poetic rawness actually um with the dirt um it feels very immediate it feels like something that you can almost like touch and feel um Uh, and I think this, yeah, this is what is, 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 is such an inspiration for us. I think as, as humans, we're drawn to imperfections. Um, you know, listening to a record from the 90s on vinyl gives you a much different feeling that, some, that, that obviously listening to, it, to a Spotify uh, playlist today um, with music that is so polished and so, so perfect, it doesn't it doesn't somehow feel right and as as humans we're drawn to these to this to, to these imperfections imperfections is a natural state it's something that we're drawn to um it's something that is very very human um i read somewhere that that imperfection is 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 infinite is divine and there's there's something to it and i think the 90s you know were super super cool uh <laughs> In, in that, you know, so many icons were, were, were born and, and looking at the Kate Moss picture taken by Jürgen will always give you goosebumps and it will always feel so, so cool. Um, so I think on all, all of these levels, um, all of these levels, I think is why the 90s are so, are so prevalent and so important for me personally, but also for for this generation. Mm. By Jürgen, you mean Jürgen Teller, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, I just want to um, make that little acknowledgement for people that are not into photography or Jürgen Teller, who is a German photographer who is quite famous, I would say. And um, if you ever get a chance to see an exhibition, do so, because it's very interesting. It doesn't have to be beautiful all the time, but it's definitely very interesting. <laughs> so inspiring. And, and even today, knowing... Honestly, like I have a whole hard drive with all the images that I've collected of him through through the years because I've always been always been I mean a fan of him of his um, and I was recently I mean it's incredible how stuff that he puts out in 2020 is as good as stuff that he would do in the 90s. It's still groundbreaking. It's still challenging you. It's still, it's still so, 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 so good. Back to your design. Um, you also have like long leather coats. And I always think of um, the Matrix, of course. I think everyone would do so. <laughs> um, is that still clubwear or is it a, a high fashion thing with club appeal? Or does that go together? I don't really like labeling it. Um, uh -huh. For me, high fashion doesn't have a nice ring to it. For me, it sounds kind of exclusive 
And again, well, your your prices are a bit uh, exclusive. I would disagree. Okay. <laughs> well, let's agree to disagree here. <laughs> yeah, like there's always a little bit of, of 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 discussion. Like, are these prices right? Are these too high? Are these too low? I think we've always we've always had an ambition to make quality stuff. And we've been kids from Eastern Europe that were, you know, inspired by also, you know, Comme des Garçons and, and this sort of thing that is a little bit more expensive, but it also gives you a lot more for this price. And the reality of things in 2021 is if you want to produce in Europe, if you want to use the best fabrics possible sourced in Italy and Portugal, if you want to pay people well, If you want to to you know give people you know certain certain contracts and 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 actually provide them with 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 a you know with an experience that is also cool for them, um, you know if you want to use packaging that is recyclable, if you want to use recyclable uh, recycled fabrics as well. All of this comes at a certain at a certain price and is just unavoidable. And I think for the quality that we provide, we could be much more expensive. And could it be? Could it? Could could we be cheaper? We couldn't, because were we cheaper, uh, we would compromise on on quality. And this is something that we never want to make. We want we want these pieces to to last you forever. Um, we we came up with this idea of a future vintage and how we want to find our pieces that we make today in the best vintage stores in in twenty years, and in order to to do that, not only design has to be special, but they also need to to stand the test of time. And if you cut corners and quality, this won't happen. You just uh, changed my mind of course and it's a uh, it's actually just a matter of uh, us I guess educating without the you know lifting the finger we need to educate younger fashion people we need to educate them in slow fashion and sustainability and um, it's the circle of of fashion and We need to lower fast fashion. I mean, I get caught up in fast fashion all the time again and again. But if we get a bit more awareness out, um, I think maybe we're slowly able to change things. And we need to because, as we know, the fashion industry is the second biggest polluter in the world. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm very positive, actually, um, seeing how the industry is changing, seeing how... We choose stuff differently um, today as opposed to 10 years ago. I mean, go to any restaurants. There's There are hardly any restaurants that don't really offer, you know, bio-organic uh, options right now. Think about buying a car and look at the car market in, in America and see how Tesla is valued higher than all of its competitors put together. Um, the air has changed and the fashion is changing very, very fast as well. Um, going to a trade show where you buy fabrics today is a completely different experience to even five years ago. Like the way that it's changed is so rapid and so good. Um, it's going to be a little bit of a topic jump because I want to get uh, back to your design to 
what I find a very, very, very important uh, design topic or idea is uh, gender interchangeability. It is very important to you. Why is that so? Oh, well, this is where we came from. You know, this is how we started. Um, and this was a natural state, I would say, for us to kind of not be restrained by gender. Um, and actually, for us, getting into more of a gender-specific fashion, this actually was inspiring and, and interesting throughout, throughout, throughout these past few years, simply because our starting point was unisex and interchangeability. Um, and in the last few years, we, we found it interest, more interesting to actually trying to make um, fashion in a more uh, tr traditional way. There are certain pieces in which um, making gender-specific uh, fashion is unavoidable, just for the simple fact of the matter that we are built a little differently. But yeah. then... Also, it's super interesting to be focusing on areas where we can actually wear, wear the same pieces. And, and you know, it's, it's, this also is, is, is changing so fast. And, and for instance, with our sport line, I can see so many guys wearing it and also actually getting the women's pieces because they want the fit to be even tighter, even more, even more close to the body. And, and this, this exchange with the world is also very inspiring to us as, as designers. But I think the bottom line is no matter if you, if you work on interchangeability or if you work in a more traditional way, the, the most important actually is for, for, for all of these pieces to come from one singular point of view and then you know, translating it into these different pieces, it comes, it comes secondary. So let's talk music then. <laughs> let's talk, we finish with the fashion talk here. Let's go into music, which is also one of my favorite topics. <laughs> um, you found a label, Misbehave Recordings. Why? Why? Um, because we think there's, I mean, I think if you have a certain point of view, There are unlimited means to express this point of view. And what we touched on at the very beginning of this conversation, when we talked about what club actually is and it being a catalyst for so many different meanings and emotions, um, music and, and, and a label is, is another very interesting avenue to, to explore it. We're not founding this label to compete with other labels or to make, to put out music that is going to be in the Beatport 100. Um, we want to express ourselves through friends. Why the first EP that we've put out um, last year was, was Wolfram and Hell, who have been good friends and, and, and there's nothing you know, nicer than collaborating with friends on projects that you, that you believe in. Um, Our second EP, uh, we are just putting out actually last week, and it is for a change, a meditation record. Um, we start thinking about, okay, what should be the next record right when the, right when the pandemic started? And it 
didn't feel right to, you know, to be conceiving a club record at the time for a number of reasons. The one being, you know, seeing images of, of Northern Italy at the beginning of the pandemic and how army would be, you know... Uh, they were transporting the coffins to a different... Um, different city or town because they couldn't handle all those death in Bergamo anymore. It's funny that you bring up this picture because I was just listening to a podcast yesterday where which is about um, fake news and, and conspiracy theories because we have one huge conspiracy person here in Germany who used to be a famous radio host and and the podcast is around him and uh and just how we fall for conspiracy theories and they're exactly describing this the same the same picture you just started which is uh a bit strange but i i don't i totally feel it and i understand um your approach to coming out with a meditation record just to sit down uh, and reflect on ourselves and what has happened the last one and a half years and what has it done to us actually and to our minds. Yeah, yeah. I think in each country we have a fair share of these guys that you, that you described. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's this image on one hand, then it's, you know, all the small businesses that have been closing down and your friend who has a corner cafe might not even be there the next day. Um, but then also, also the positives, you know, the, the fact that we have all slowed down and, and, and then the images of also nature rebirthing and rejuvenating and, and, and metamorphing into, into a better state with just a few months of, of the industry actually backing down. Mm. And all of this inspired this idea of why don't we look at meditation at this inwards looking perspective from from the perspective of, of, of electronic music, if you will. And, 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 and we also thought, why don't we look at it from a more geographical experience? Because something that is so incredibly inspiring to me about this, this experience is that this is, for, 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 for my generation, for, for our generation across the world, until we die, this will be the one experience that for sure we will share together. No matter where you are in the world, no matter the age, if you were alive in 2020, you will have the same experience that I have. And this will be something that we will actually always share together. So I also see this, this, this album as a, as a witness to, to something incredible that, you know, perhaps will gain value with time because today... It's, it's, it's meditation, it's interesting meditation music today, but in the 10 years from now, it will be, it will be a, a witness to something, to something really, really incredible, you know? And I think of it as, as you know, sometimes you have these, for example, in, in, in photography, this, is, this, is quite, this happens quite often when you have a teenage photographer that is an amateur that is just shooting picture of his friends for like 20 years, And technically, he might suck and it might not be, you know, very elaborate work. But with time, it actually gains some significance. So, so this is how I look at this, at this, at this record. Yeah. Um, you, you said earlier that you're building like a platform and music. I think the music recording or the music label is just part of it. Um, 
in my notes, I wrote down that you have very prominent friends um, and they're also like releasing mixes and so on um, via Misbehaves recordings on SoundCloud. And my initial idea was, what about using that reach for young talents uh, in the music industry, for example? Are you are you going to do that or are you already doing it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're just really learning the ropes, you know, with the, like we have we have no experience of releasing music before that, just as we didn't have any experience with fashion before starting Misbehave. So the first record is how many vinyls do you cut? How do you distribute this thing? How do you get people to hear it? How do you get stores to buy it? So we're just we're just learning. It's just our second project. I believe we have many, many more in the pipeline. Um, I think what you what you what you're touching on is really, really important. If you have, you know, two we're working at this record right now where we have two two legends, really two 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 legends who are working for the first time together for misbehave recordings. And, you know, if we get these two legends together, it's one plus one, it's perhaps equals three or four. But what if we juxtapose it actually with young talent coming from a completely different background who would look at these guys in this, in the way that we perhaps looked at this fashion when we started, like without no constraints, like just some two guys releasing music. And now I want to, I wanna, you know, make an interpretation of their work that will completely destroy their work in a in a positive way and then one plus one or perhaps equals five or six or seven so this is very very important for us and and yeah it's within our dna and something that we definitely want to convey with misbehaved recordings as well what you just described reminded me of uh, Magella, just like the deconstruction of uh, fashion and then rearranging it completely in a new way it works for music um, as much as it works for fashion. Um, I saw on your label, SoundCloud, that you personally, you, Thomas Wierski, have been musically active. How important is DJ or producing work for you? I have been musically active. That's true. Actually, before, before Misbehave, I was, I was working in, in, in music and I was a producer myself. And this is where I come from. And I think through a certain freedom that I have learned through music, um, also the way that I'm looking at, at fashion and, and style and, and what we do with Misbehave has been also altered, altered in this more, you know, free spirited way, perhaps. Um, I love DJing still. Um, it gives me immense pleasure to do it and, and, and it gives me a platform to really express myself and, I really, really, really love it. it. It is my first love, actually, you know, fashion and clothing and, and what we do with Misbehave actually came came later. Um, and for, mis for, for Meditations, for our second EP, um, I really wanted to work with Zuzanna Bartoszek, who was my favorite Polish painter and a great Polish poet who I really, really admire. And I made a sort of an industrial mm. meditation with Zuzanna um, um, uh, speaking on the record using one of her guided guided meditations and uh, yeah I'm very happy with the record and, 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 and I'm happy it's it's a part of this album 
since we already, well, of course, we have to talk. It's it's part of our lives, as you said. Uh, the pandemic, the pandemic, um, as the as such a strong thing to to get us through the last one and a half years in many directions, mentally, um, work wise, for so many people, it meant financial health. Um, we also. Music-wise, for example, I thought maybe it will change the DJ business a bit, you know, slowing it down, not having um, two European DJs flying over to uh, North or South America twice <laughs> on one weekend. You know what I mean, you know, it's just like, um, it seemed like nature is healing in a really good way, but now it seems like everything is back to normal business Um What was the fashion industry like? There were fashion weeks missed probably, then digital fashion weeks. Um, what did that whole thing all did to you except putting out a meditation record? What else? <laughs> I mean, you know, we react to the world around us. And when such an earthquake happens, it changes the way that you look at everything. So you touched on missing um, the fashion shows and fashion week. I think this was actually very good for smaller brands because um, something that smaller independent brands need to kind of fight against is the immense media power that the huge brands have. And for them, you know, a fashion show is such an investment and such a, uh, you know, such muscle flexing with, with uh, again, The DJ might be flying to North America from from Europe, but then imagine staging a show in Brazil and having 500 influencers being flown from all across the world for a 10-minute show. So mm -hmm. compare this. Um, but when these shows didn't happen, actually it was it was it was um, it was a positive for the smaller brands because suddenly we could compete equally. Um, what it meant for us was, you know, a course at first a great deal of uncertainty but then finding peace and finding ease in actually you know bunkering up in the studio and 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 and, and working with your two hands very physically in a in, in a much more focused manner so this brought brought a sense of ease for us for sure um and then you know we touched upon nature healing itself and and It gave us a lot of hope, actually, to to kind of ramp up our sustainability efforts. So during the pandemic, we actually had time to to focus on the recyclable packaging uh, made of post-consumer waste and, and these eco bags made of um, some of the bottles found in found in oceans. So this was another angle uh, for us. And and actually the collection that we have just finished um, came out of this experience as well. Um, we're deep, deep in the pandemic, uh, February this year when we started working on it. Um, and, uh, I was, I was fortunate to, to, to be, to be able to go to, to Mexico for, for, for a couple of weeks. And, and I remember one of the first days, you know, after being, Uh, in the in the beach in the sun in the ocean for for a couple of days I'm, I'm waking up super super early and I had these two distinctive thoughts in my head one is orange and one is green 
And at first I didn't know what it means and I, I took my phone and I started writing a note describing how I feel. And it sounds completely ridiculous, but what I wrote actually, it's orange because we're all children of the sun and it's green because we're all children of the earth. And at first it sounded completely, completely crazy, but what it meant and what this trip meant for me was, was coming back to this place of honesty within myself and, and, and rediscovering who I, who I really was after months of being confined to a, to a white room. And, and, and this laid the foundation for, for the work um, on a new collection. So I've sent this little note to, to my friends back home and, and a week later, mood boards came in. And it's incredible how within our team, we have a few designers and each of them interpreted these words in the, in the exact same way. And it's the first time in the history of Misbehave that the collection was actually so cohesive and felt so precise, even though it really came out of these two words, orange and green, which reminds me of the Reikawa Kubo story that I, that I, told, mm-hmm. um, that I told before. And, and, and every collection is blood, sweat and tears and we're fighting super, super hard to get it right. And, 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 and then we usually take a few days off and usually a few days in of the vacation, someone writes an email and says something like orange and green and everything starts again. Well, I'm actually quite happy with what you told me in the last hour. <laughs> it was a nice conversation. I would say... You know, let's finish here. I had such a great time uh, talking to you, uh, having a little sneak peek into your head, which I really, really enjoyed. Mm. Thanks for your time. Um, all, all the best to Poland, and keep on, keep on doing the work. And I'm, I'm very excited, uh, especially what's to come musically. Thanks a lot, Thomas. That was amazing. Thanks for being our guest on the Telecom Electronic Beats podcast. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you very much. So this was Thomas Wieski, one part of the founding team of the fashion brand and music label Misbehave. An amazing story that proves not everything has to be mainstream to be successful. If you have any comments, let us know via Instagram, for example. I wish you a happy week. Happy weekend, whatever is coming up for you. Stay healthy. I am Gesine Kühne and I'll see you at the club in their outdoor areas. Das war der Telekom Electronic Beats Podcast. Abonniert den Podcast bei Apple, Soundcloud, Spotify oder Deezer. Wir sehen uns im Club. Bis dann.